Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to your birth project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales, I speak with Hayley and Hayley has an absolutely devastating and heartbreaking story to take us through today. But um, although you will likely need your tissues, there is also some hope and some joy in there as well. So Haley takes us through her first pregnancy and birth story where she unfortunately gave birth to a stillborn baby at 41 weeks. Haley talks us through how absolutely devastating this was for her and her family and how she tried to recover from something so heartbreaking and if that doesn't sound like something you are in the place to listen to right now then maybe this episode isn't for you but Hayley does such a beautiful job of sharing their story. Hayley and I then talk through an unfortunate miscarriage after that loss and deciding to try for another baby. She then talks through her pregnancy with her daughter Evie and how she navigated through some pretty anxious times during that pregnancy into her birth story and then into life with beautiful little Evie and I just think that Hayley is such a beautiful mum. She does an incredible job of sharing their story and I'm so grateful that she was willing to come on the podcast so I hope this is an episode that you're able to take something away from and yeah Hayley if you're out there listening I am so grateful that you're willing to share your story. So let's jump into it. Hi Hayley thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi Jordan thanks so much for having me on the podcast and for providing such a beautiful space to share our stories. I'm feeling a bit nervous um, (laughs) but it's a real privilege to be able to share Cooper and Evie's birth stories and I hope that um, hearing our stories might provide some comfort for other families who have experienced or are experiencing a similar journey to us. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you've got a super, super, super important story to tell. So I'm really grateful that you are here. And on that note, would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Thanks, I'd love to. Um, so my name's Hayley and I'm 27 years old and I'm a primary school teacher. My husband is Grant and he's 32 and he drives Bobcats and Diggers. And we've got two beautiful children together, um, Cooper, who would be two and a half, and Evie or Evelyn. Um, she's just turned nine months old. Oh, I can already feel myself getting a bit <laughs> emotional. We live That's in a okay. small town in the um, Western Bay of Plenty and we've got a black lad called Mila and a little cat called Bear. Yeah, awesome. And you'll be feeling the... Um super hot weather that I am in Papamara at the moment too. Oh my gosh, it's crazy, honestly. Like, <laughs> please bring back 
the colder <laughs> months. <laughs> I know I feel bad like wishing that, but um, yeah, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And do you want to talk us through um, what was the journey like to pregnancy for you and Grant the first time? Um, so we'd always talked about having two children, um, ideally with a two-year age gap. Um, I come from a big family, but Grant's, it's just Grant and his brother. And, and yeah, we just really liked that idea. Um, we've been together since I was in high school and I'd always been on the pill or some other form of contraception. Yeah. So I came off that in, um, 2017 because we were getting married in March, 2018 and we wanted to start trying for a family straight away. So, um, my cycle had always been really irregular, um, and I guess we were a bit naive and just thought we would get pregnant straight away, like ideally on our honeymoon. Um, so when we didn't fall pregnant straight away, I just started tracking my cycle. And, yeah, so I found out I was pregnant on my 24th birthday, which was mm-hmm. the best birthday present ever. Yeah. I remember feeling, oh, you know, all those mixed emotions when you see the test um, and you're like, oh, my goodness, it's actually happening, like mm-hmm. what I've been dreaming of. Um, I was so excited too because my older sister was three months pregnant at the same time and two of my other close girlfriends were also due. One was actually due a week before me and another one was a month before me. So we had like a little tribe going on. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I can't remember like actually why I went and got a test. I think it must have just been because I was tracking it and, you know, I just felt a bit funny or or something. So yeah. Yeah, when I brought a test and it came back positive and I just couldn't contain my excitement, so I <laughs> rang Grant straight away. Um, he was at work. I think he was a bit, like, in shock. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, we were just so excited. We were over the moon. Um, we didn't tell – I told my sister and my close girlfriends, but we, we kept it a surprise for everyone else until after our 12-week scan. Awesome. Cool. And what was your first trimester like? Did you have many symptoms during those first 12 weeks? Um, I had honestly, I was so laid back. Like I just had no idea the ride <laughs> we were in for. It's, um, you know, it's nothing that you can ever imagine. Um, I had some pretty yucky morning sickness, maybe for the first 20 weeks. And I lived primarily off salt and vinegar chips and peanut butter <laughs> toast. Which yeah, I can relate. <laughs> Yeah, like those bland carbs just keep you going. Yeah, yeah. Um, my midwife was amazing. She um, tried some acupuncture in my ears, which didn't really work. And I tried C-band, you know, the C-band yeah. things you put on your arms. But in the end, I ended up taking some medication um, to help with the nausea, but just because I was vomiting quite regularly. Yeah. Um, although when I was feeling great, though, I was still staying really active. Um, like doing light gym workouts and playing like non-contact sport is that's yeah. what's really important for me. So yeah, cool. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Yeah. Awesome. And did you find out the sex of your baby and did you do the sort of standard testing that's offered here in New Zealand? So we didn't find out um, the sex of our baby. We thought it would be such a great surprise at the end of mm-hmm. the journey. Um and we didn't have a dating scan because I've been tracking my cycle. Although my midwife, um, she added a week onto my due date because my cycle was a bit longer. It was about 35 days. Okay. And so the 12 week scan, like, um, was consistent with her estimate. And right. yeah, so like the measurements all kind of lined up to be yeah. a week later. And um, we did the, is it the nuchal test? Oh, yes. Yep. Yeah, and that came back really low risk. Um, and other than that, we just had our 12-week scan and a 20-week scan, which showed that our baby was growing perfectly, like not too big, not too small, just, you know, just the average yeah, perfectly growing baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't do the glucose test as I was feeling really healthy and I didn't have any other symptoms. Um, yeah. So we kind of just discussed it and we felt like it wasn't really necessary. Yeah. Yeah, apart from that, apart from my morning sickness, my pregnancy was amazing. Yeah, 
Awesome. And what about your thoughts around birth? Were you doing any antenatal classes or did you do any other sort of birth education that might have helped you sort of inform where you wanted to give birth and what your birth might look like? Yeah, so Grant and I decided that we didn't really um, feel like we needed to do an antenatal class because we had so much support around us, like Mm -hmm. we had all of our friends and my sister and things. Um, So we kind of figured we'll just get advice from them and just – Honestly, we were so laid back. We were just going to go with the flow. Like mm-hmm. we were, yeah, so easygoing. Um, I thought, I think I recall making him watch a couple of YouTube videos though, which <laughs> I think that terrified him. So. <laughs> yeah. But it gave him a bit of like opened his eyes a little bit to kind of what to expect. Because yeah. he, he's not really had, um, had much to do with like newborn babies before. So yeah, it's very, very new to him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And did you think that you wanted to give birth in the hospital or what were your thoughts there? Um, so we, like, I always had a really positive mindset around birth. Um, like I was kind of under the impression that this is what we were made for, like women do it every day. So um, I really wanted to go to the Bethlehem Birthing Centre and mm-hmm. have a water birth if that was possible. But I was open to um like that wasn't, I wasn't just sitting on there. Like I was open to having a birth anywhere, yeah. you know, to just get the baby out. Like I just wanted to have a healthy yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah, for sure. And we had heaps of um, positive birth stories around us, like from my sister and my friends. And they were so empowering. Like, honestly, they made it sound so easy, which <laughs> I think kind of maybe, um, yeah, set me up a little bit for what was to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Cool. And do you want to talk us through, um, I guess, from around your due date and what happened from there and did you end up going into labour spontaneously and, yeah, talk us through what happened next. Yeah. Um, So I finished work at 38 weeks and to prep um, for the birth, my midwife did, like, some acupuncture and um, I was drinking, like, raspberry leaf tea and using evening primrose oil, like, in every part of my body <laughs> to try and get the baby to calm. Yeah. Um, you know, like curb walking, yeah. eating the hot curry, having the sex, which became a chore at the end. Honestly, yeah. poor Gran, I yeah. felt so sorry for him. <laughs> I was just like, right, let's just get it done. <laughs> let's get this baby up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so at 40, um, 40 weeks in one day, I had my first stretch and sweep, um, but my cervix was still – um, posterior and she wasn't able to tip it like it was like the baby was pretty happy being stuck yeah. up in there um I think I use I tried to use like some nipple shield I think to help my nipples get longer it's so glamorous mm. isn't it yeah, um so like kind of a bit of antenatal expressing or postnatal yeah. expressing sorry um yeah but that's so that's what I did to get ready and then my due date was the 20th of June, which was a week um, later than I had originally thought, but that was all good. So on Wednesday the 26th, um, I remember having a nap on the couch and I woke up in a panic because um, I hadn't felt the baby move and I couldn't remember the last time that I had. So I rang my midwife and we ended up going into the clinic um, to have a CTG. It was with my backup midwife. Um, and yeah, the CTG was really reassuring. The baby was fine, which totally eased my anxiety, which I had mm. actually had not no anxiety until that moment. Like, yeah. Um. So then, two days later, we were one week overdue, one week and one day overdue. On the morning of the twenty eighth, um, we met our midwife again as as like for a routine appointment. And did another CTG, which showed, again, that the baby was perfectly happy and healthy. Um, Grant actually came to this appointment, which was awesome, um, because we wanted to make a plan for induction. Like, I wasn't against I – I, I wasn't set on anything, but, like, yeah. I also did want to have the baby, like, sometime soon. <laughs> yeah. Like we were already eight days overdue and I was trying yeah. all of those those things. Oh my god, every day feels like just like twenty days, right? I know, it's crazy. Yes. Um and you just don't know until 
you're overdue how horrid it <laughs> totally. is. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had another stretch and sweep done and there was definite progress this time, which was really exciting. Um, and so we made a plan to be monitored every 48 hours. And if nothing happened over the weekend, we would be um, induced the following week. Yeah. So Grant went back to work and I went and hung out at the beach with my sister and her family. Um, we had lunch and went for a walk. And I remember saying to her, actually, um, I thought something was going to happen because I had a really heavy feeling in my belly. Mm. Um, in the afternoon, I went home, had another nap. I don't really remember feeling the baby move that much, but I wasn't too worried because I knew when I woke up that I was in early labor. Yeah, so I woke up um, after my nap and, like I said, I didn't re- um feel the baby I don't remember feeling the baby move that much but I wasn't too worried because I knew like we were having contractions and early labor I didn't want to tell Grant because um our friends had 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 quite long early labors and I didn't want to get him too excited and I didn't want to get myself too excited because I thought you know so we ate dinner um played some old school old school crash team racing of all things (laughs) And Grant went to bed around 11 and I couldn't sleep um, because the contractions were about 10 minutes apart. Like they were manageable, but I was just, I think, very excited. Um, so I finished packing our hospital bags and then I think it must have been just after that I snuggled up to watch a movie on the couch and my waters broke. Um, so I woke Grant up because they were full of dark green meconium. Um, so... Yeah. Obviously, it was very messy, so I had a shower and Grant rang our midwife and sent her a photo, and she suggested that we head to the hospital to monitor the baby um, just because of the meconium, which I was actually so mm. pleased about because um, soon after my waters broke, my contractions really ramped up, and they were only about two minutes apart, and they were lasting mm. quite a long time. And we had a 30-minute drive to the hospital, so... I was pretty pleased to be. Oh, I was pretty pleased to be going to the hospital. Yeah. So we arrived at yeah. the maternity uh, maternity unit around one, maybe one a.m. and we were taken to um, a room, and the midwives hooked us up to all the monitors, and they were having trouble finding the baby's heart with the Doppler, and they said it's probably just due to the positioning. Like I was still having really intense contractions, so I was wriggling around, you know, as well. Mm. Um, and then our midwife arrived and they were trying to place a clip onto the baby's head, which unfortunately they actually placed oh, yeah. it on my cervix. So I think it gave a false reading. Oh my gosh. <laughs> which, yeah. yeah, so, um, it was very hectic and th- so they're trying to find mm. the baby's heartbeat. I'm still having contractions. Like I was sucking on the gas and then I ended up like vomiting up my dinner cause the gas wasn't for me. Like it was. Oh, no. All very hectic. Mm. Um, and, yeah, Grant and I were so naive that we didn't even think um, of the possibility that something that something could have happened to our baby. Mm. So, like, we weren't, we weren't panicked at all when the obstetrician came in with an ultrasound machine. And he told us that there is the heart and there is no heartbeat. Mm. I actually don't know if I've ever said those words out loud. <laughs> mm. um, and so I'm pretty sure the minute that I realized our baby had died, a piece of me died as well. Mm. It was like an out-of-body experience. Um, I remember... I understood first what he had said Mm. and it broke my heart to watch Grant as he realised what was happening as well. Mm. Um, Our perfectly healthy full-term baby had died. Mm. Hayley, I just wish I could give you a big cuddle. (laughs) Thank you. Honestly, we just – it was like (laughs) – I think we probably sounded like wounded animals because we just cried Mm. and cried and our midwife held us and she cried with Mm. us as well. Um, 
heartbroken is truly an understatement yeah. to how you feel in that moment. Yeah. So it's a bit of a blur um, after that. Everything was, you know, very heightened and lots going on. Yeah. Um, but our amazing midwife arranged for us to um, be transferred down to the end of the maternity wards, so away from all the other labouring mothers and the crying newborns. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And she also arranged for me to have an epidural. She said, you don't need to feel the physical pain as well. So mm. that yeah. was really a blessing. Um, so we got moved and um, Grant was amazing. He, I don't know how, he was so strong, excuse me, um, but he rang our families in the early hours of those that morning and told them that our baby had died. And he said um, it's one of the hardest things he's ever done and it will haunt him forever mm. because yeah. our family were expecting happy news um, mm. and we didn't have any to give. Yeah, We were so lost. Um, there were so many emotions running through our head. Um, like what do we do now? What about all of our plans? What do we tell mm. everyone? How do we plan a funeral? What happens with yeah. work? Like, do I have to go back to work next week? Like, um, mm. when your baby dies, you don't just lose your baby. You lose their first Christmas, Easter, yeah. birthdays, hearing them call you mama. Like, you hear – you just lose everything. You lose your whole dreams mm. and your future and the life that you have had imagined um, since the day you saw that positive pregnancy test. Or even before, you know, mm. when you're a little girl, you plan – yeah. what the yeah. future is going to look like. We were really fortunate that the um, midwives and doctors, they were also lovely and caring. They um, helped to explain what to expect for the rest of our labour and birth and what would happen after. And they discussed yeah. um, whether we would like a post-mortem, um, what would happen with the funeral directors, um, the support that SANS could offer, a charity that I didn't even know existed until that day. Mm. Um, um, so our labour and birth was long and traumatic, to say the least. Um, so we had a few hours rest um, after they placed the epidural. Um, but then around 7am I started to feel my contractions again, which was really weird mm-hmm. because I had an epidural, so you don't expect to feel them. Um, yeah. And so I told my midwife, and she couldn't quite believe her eyes when – she saw the epidural needle hanging out of my back. Oh, my gosh. So somehow it had fallen out. Um, and so it was pretty intense going from being pain-free to having full-on contractions mm. again. Um, I was about five centimetres dilated, so, you know, like I was into my labour. Um, yeah, yeah. And, oh, gosh, it was hard enough sitting through the first epidural. You know how you have to sit still, um, let yes. alone having to do yeah. it, like, a second time. Mm. Although it was quite funny, like, looking back now because the anaesthetist put so much tape that I didn't actually think the second epidural was ever going to come out. Like, my whole back (laughs) was taped. (laughs) It was not coming out, even if I wanted it to. Um, So once that pain relief had kicked back in, we we just tried to get some rest and gather ourselves, and our family came to be with us. Around midday, I was checked again, and I was eight or nine centimetres dilated. It was such an emotional time because I really wanted the baby to come. Um, Mm. But then I knew once the baby was here, then it was our reality. So, like, it was, yeah, such an emotional time. Mm. So 3 p.m. rolled round, and I was fully dilated. And so I started active pushing just after 5 and I was laying on my back with my legs up. Poor Grant, he held my leg for like two hours. <laughs> it was yeah. not not pretty for him. Um, I don't know how how he did it. Um, and I was starting to get some breakthrough pain during the pushing stage as the mm. epidural was running out. And so the contractions were coming back and they were quite painful. It was really painful in my lower back. So I pushed for um, two hours with little progress. And um, unfortunately, when your baby dies, they don't help you 
to um, get them out like a living baby would. Mm. So the team that was looking after us decided to um, just give me a break and they gave me some Sintocin for two hours to ramp things up as at that stage my uterus was getting pretty tired. So then at 11 p.m. I started um, pushing again and this time the baby had made really good progress but the contractions weren't strong or long. I think that was just because my uterus was so tired from everything that had happened. Um, So after I think about 20 minutes, the obstetrician, the same obstetrician who told us um, that our baby had died came back in and told us that he was going to deliver our baby. So I was given an episiotomy and the forceps were used to deliver our baby. I remember his head coming out um, I'm thinking, oh, thank goodness he's out. And then they said, no, that's just the head, like keep pushing. I thought, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it was so <laughs> painful. Um, but finally, at 11.29 on the 29th of June 2019, our beautiful 8-pound, 6-ounce baby boy was born. And we named him Cooper Andrew. Um, so he was, turns out he was posterior and he had his hand up by his face, which was why labour had been a real struggle. Mm. Um, yeah. So the midwives cleaned him up, um, took his measurements and took some prints while I was stitched, stitched up and cleaned up and whatnot. We were really anxious about meeting Cooper as neither Grant like Grant nor I had ever seen a dead body before. We had been very fortunate Mm. in our lives to not have experienced much loss. This was actually our first loss. Mm. Um, So, yeah, we were very nervous, but as soon as we laid eyes on him, we were so in love. Um, Mm. You know, there's no words to describe the immense love that you feel for your baby when you meet them for the first time. And he was perfect. He had... um, the perfect Purcell genes, as we joke about it. Um, mm-hmm. He looked so much like his dad and his his um, cousins. So we spent um, the next hours just cuddling him, and then he was placed in a bassinet with um, a heap of teddies that I don't even know where they come from, but a heap of teddies. <laughs> um, and he was placed between our two beds for the night. Um, so because he had died we had to keep him on ice packs um to keep him cool yeah. as we had decided that we wanted to send him for a post-mortem because there was no obvious reason as to why he had died like he didn't have mm. the cord around his neck or um a problem with his yeah. cord or anything like there was just no obvious reason and we really wanted answers as to yeah. why this had happened um so we tried to sleep but we didn't get much sleep because I kept waking up to check on him and Every time I woke up, I would remember what had happened. Um, mm. It was honestly like living a nightmare. Yeah. Um, one thing that I really regret and I wish was pushed upon us was to bath Cooper. Um, we were so exhausted from like the labour and birth and everything yeah. that we let the nurses clean him up. We were, we were offered that option, but we didn't really um, – it was just so much to process. I wish – Mm. that we were pushed, like, you know, I wish that we were made to almost. And as hard as it is, I would recommend to anyone who may be unfortunate enough to be in a similar situation to take every opportunity um, they can to bath, dress, make memories um, so that they don't Mm. have any regrets. So we spent the next day um, making some special memories with Cooper. We were blessed to have Talia from Heartfelt um, come and take some beautiful pictures of him with our family. And these are, I want to say, the best thing that we've ever been given. They're so beautiful and we're so thankful that we have these to remember him by. And my sister was amazing. She arranged for Pauline from Casting Memories to come and take his hand and foot castings. We had our family and friends come and meet him and share the precious time with us. Um, So throughout that day, I also had lots of blood drawn and swabs taken to go along with the postmortem, just to check for any signs of infection and things like that. Mm. And I was also given some medication to stop my milk coming in. So the next, we spent that day with him and the next morning was heartbreaking all over again, having to say goodbye to him. 
So someone came to get him at 6am as he was being flown to Auckland by helicopter for his post-mortem. Um, he went in a helicopter before us. Like, how does that even work out? <laughs> it was pretty confronting um, when they said they would have to cover him to take him in the corridor because, mm. like like I say, we hadn't experienced any loss, so I didn't realise that's what would happen. And, you know, seeing your baby covered, taken mm. away, it's yeah, something that sticks with you forever. Um, and that walk out of the hospital without him was the hardest walk that we've ever done, you know, walking to the car and seeing his empty capsule, driving home mm. without him, arriving to a silent house, walking into his nursery and seeing all of the things that he would never get to use or wear or play with. And that was just the beginning. Like every milestone, all of our hopes, all of our dreams, they just had gone. Mm. So um, we were lucky that we were able to pick Cooper up from the funeral home the next afternoon um, to bring him home with us. And Oh, seeing your baby in a tiny white casket is something that I wouldn't wish upon anybody. Mm. We were really um, scared to hold Cooper because he obviously had to be kept cool. And um, so we didn't actually take him out of his casket once we got him home, but we would hold his hand and touch his cheek and we just stared at him for hours. Um, it was so sweet. We introduced him to our dog and she could tell that we were so sad and Normally she would sleep in our bedroom with us um, and for the whole week that he was at home with us, she slept under the table with him. So it was so special. Yeah. So the days um, that followed were pretty much the darkest times of our lives and I honestly don't know how mm. we survived because I know that I didn't want to. Um, mm. We tried to rest and recover and process everything that had happened um, my physical pain wasn't terrible, um, as I was able to take pretty good pain relief. Um, yeah. Grant was amazing. He froze pads for me and helped me get changed and did all of those loving things that you don't think he would ever have to do. <laughs> and my stitches were a bit sore and poly and um, my milk ended up coming through, so my boobs were quite engorged and sore. Mm. Yeah, But nothing really could compare to the emotional and mental pain that we were going through. So after about five days of having Cooper at home, we decided that it was time to close his casket as we wanted to rem remember him um, as our perfect little baby. Um, so knowing that it would be the last time we would ever see him was pretty tough. Um, and I'm so glad that I mm. had Grant and we just had each other to, to be with. It's hard to explain um, the constant ache and longing that my arms and my heart had for not being able to hold Cooper anymore. And there's actually such a thing, I think, as empty arm syndrome. Um, mm. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night and just sit in his nursery crying, wondering why this had happened to us. You know, I had so many what mm. ifs and if onlys and wishes. Um, Luckily, we were really um, supported by amazing friends and family. They came to meet Cooper. They sat with us. They cried with us. They brought us food. They cleaned us, cleaned our house, and they brought lots of special things to remember Cooper by. Mm. Um, a week after Cooper was born, we had a beautiful send-off for him, and we held it at um, Torpedo Point, which is where we had our maternity photos, and it was just the most beautiful, perfect winter day. Um, and we just said some special words for Cooper and released some balloons, and, yeah, that's a day that we're just going to treasure forever. Um, we had our, yeah. we had a photographer there who took our maternity photos, and she took lots of um, beautiful photos for us to remember as well. The day after his funeral, um, we had to drop Cooper back to the funeral home as we wanted to have him cremated, and, yeah, that was one of the, hardest things was saying goodbye to him and leaving him you know it's hard when you have to say goodbye and leave your living baby let alone yeah. your baby that's died um we were really thankful that our family sent us away um, for a few days to Queenstown which was the perfect place because it was the middle of winter and it was freezing cold and it just 
it was perfect to get away um and it just matched how we were feeling you know just cold and mm. miserable pretty yeah. much <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so we we took his little bear with him and we took the little bear on some adventures hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. In a week later, um, we picked up his ashes and They've come everywhere with us since he's even got his special own little special spot in our caravan where he sits his ashes there and his little bear. So he's always with us and we take him wherever we go because he's part of our family. Um, so the weeks and months after Cooper's death were really a struggle. Baby loss is so isolating and lonely and you can never really imagine what it's like until it's happened to you. Mm-hmm. It was hard to get out of bed. Some days I didn't. I was actually talking to Grant last night and he said it might have been months that I didn't get out of bed. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. I couldn't face going to the supermarket or seeing people because um, being a teacher, like, you know quite a few people in the community and they were all mm. wanting to ask you how your baby was. Um, yeah. I felt so sorry for Grant because he picked up the slack and he went and did all of, all of those things instead. And so he mm. was faced with, all of the questions and the people asking about Cooper. Yeah. It was also pretty difficult being around my sister and my close friends because they had their newborn babies and I didn't. Mm. And social media was really confronting, you know, seeing our friends post baby milestones and pregnancy announcements. It's just kind of another kick in the guts when you're already feeling so heartbroken yeah. Um, I was so envious just of everything they had and everything that we missed out on and everything we were going to mm. miss out on. One um, really fortunate thing is that if your baby dies, I think this is correct, after 20 weeks, um, then you are still entitled to your maternity pay. Mm-hmm. So this was um, this was awesome because it gave me the chance to just focus on myself and you know I didn't have to rush back to work which was amazing because I actually don't think I could have um no it's really hard when your world has stopped um but life carries on around you and I remember I felt so guilty if I was happy or if I was laughing because I felt like um if I was sad then that would remind me how much I loved Cooper and how much I missed him Mm. so yeah, it's such an emotional roller coaster. Some of the things yeah. that I found comfort in were going to counselling sessions, which um, were organised through the hospital. And the lady that I yeah. saw was actually a member of SANS and had experienced her own loss. So it was really nice talking to someone who understood. Mm. Um, I kept in touch with my midwife and I connected with other mums who had experienced loss and read lots of books about like baby loss. Um, Mm. I started yoga and Pilates and that was great for my mental health and I did some volunteer work and we were fortunate enough to um, be kept really busy as we brought a house that was that needed a lot of work so we kind of jumped into the renos as a good distraction because baby loss doesn't um, you know you lose everything you lose your baby your faith your dreams you lose relationships Mm. because you can't be there um, with people all the time and you lose your own identity. Like I learned I had to be really selfish to protect myself and that meant stepping away from friendships and saying no to things like mm. birthday parties and baby showers because I just knew it wasn't good for me and I couldn't cope. Mm. Yeah, We've been really fortunate to be surrounded by people who are really understanding and they've stood by us even when we couldn't stand by them. Mm. So a few months um, after Cooper's death, we got his post-mortem results, which came back as unexplained. Um, and again, we were just devastated because we were hoping that there would be some explanation yeah. to bring us some closure. 
Yeah. And having no answers also made us question whether we did the right thing by sending him for a postmortem because our time was so precious with him. And, you know, we'd mm. sent him away for a day when we could have been with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that kind of wraps up Cooper's story. Mm. We miss him every single day. And there isn't anything in this world that I wouldn't give to have him here with us. And I wish that we could Mm. hold him and kiss him and watch him live the life that we had planned for him. But while he's not here physically, he's always with us. And we think about him all day, every day. And I'm so proud that we are his parents. Yeah. I'm just so grateful that you've shared that whole journey with us, Hayley. I think there'll be some families out there that you just don't even know how much you're helping them. So I'm just so grateful. Well, I'm so pleased that Cooper could give us that gift to help other people. Yeah. 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 And I guess what did it look like for you guys in terms of, um, you know, you'd said that you had always wanted to have two children. So um, did you know that you felt like you wanted to try to have another baby or did it take you a really long time to come to that conclusion? Or yeah, I guess how did those conversations and thoughts start and what did that look like for you guys? Sure. So um, Cooper was a much wanted and longed for um, baby. And the fact that he died didn't change the longing we had to have a baby in our arms. So we started trying for his little sibling as soon as we could. Um, After a pretty dreadful first Christmas without him we finally had some happy news on New Year's Eve in his six month anniversary um, we found out that we were pregnant however um, our joy soon turned to more heartbreak as after three scans it was confirmed that I was having a missed miscarriage mm. um, because I'd already met with my midwife um, as soon as we'd found out I was pregnant um, she referred me to the pregnancy loss clinic at the hospital So we met with them and discussed our options because my HCG levels were still rising and I was feeling pretty yuck with morning sickness as my body hadn't registered that the pregnancy wasn't progressing as it should. Um, And we decided we couldn't really face going through a long, drawn-out process after everything we had been through already with Cooper. So we chose to have um, the surgery, which was pretty much a DNC. Um, and le- yeah, leaving Taranga Hospital for a second time with empty arms was beyond devastating and I pretty much lost all hope that we would ever actually get to bring a living baby home. So after this loss, we put everything into trying to have a healthy living baby. I was pretty obsessed at this point um, with trying to get pregnant and so I was tracking my basal body temperature, my mucus, and I was using ovulation tests um, pretty much every day Hmm. Um, we also tried um, reflexology for ovulation induction and I was spending quite a lot of time and money um, seeing a fertility acupuncturist who was also giving me like supplements and things like that and when my cycle didn't return for three months um, after the surgery I reached out to fertility associates and found out that we were eligible for a free public consult because it had been at this stage over two years since we had started trying to mm. have a baby. Yeah. Um, so they they were great. We had I had blood work done and a full assessment to see kind of what was happening with my body. And because my cycle hadn't returned, they um, prescribed me letrozole for ovulation induction. And we chose to do a monitored cycle, which costs about $400 for each cycle. So at the end of May, I took um, my first dose, which was 2.5 milligrams, and you take it, well, I took it on day three to day seven of my cycle, and it stimulates the growth um, and the growth of a follicle. And there's other um, ones, I think like Clomid is an alternative as well. And so you take the medication, um, and then you have a um, vaginal scan just before you would be about to ovulate Mm -hmm. to see if um, the follicle was mature or not. And so after the first dose, I didn't have a mature one. I only had heaps of immature follicles, which is an indicator of um, polycystic ovary. And then so um, a blood test after that scan confirmed that the letrozole had 
no effect on my hormones and I wasn't going to ovulate. So we decided um, to take another dose during that same cycle and um, double it. And that was looking much more promising. So there were still lots of smaller follicles, but there was one um, dominant one and it started to grow. But unfortunately that um, cycle didn't work. So we didn't end up falling pregnant. So the next month, which was just after Cooper's first birthday, um, the start of July, we started our third monitored cycle. And again, it was really promising. We saw a dominant immature follicle. And it was really cool because my sister actually came with me to that scan. And so she saw the follicle that would actually soon become Evie Mm -hmm. because we were lucky enough to fall pregnant on that cycle. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. And did you... I guess, find that out because you were tracking everything so closely or what did that look like? Yes, so because we were um, going through Fertility Associates and I was monitoring everything, we knew I was pregnant like 12 days after I ovulated, (laughs) Yeah. um, which was actually really terrifying because this was our third pregnancy and we still didn't have a baby in our arms. Mm. Um, So as soon as I got that positive pregnancy test, I took – I had my HCG levels taken and then I paid privately to have um, them retaken every two or three days to check that they were doubling just to help ease my anxiety um, mm-hmm. because I thought after that early loss, like anything to just help, um, yeah, help get through yeah. Yeah. those first few weeks. Yeah. And we were really blessed to have the same midwife that we had with Cooper and she was amazing at supporting us Um I started to take aspirin as well um, as soon as we found out we were pregnant as that's meant to help to make a good placenta or something with the implantation of the placenta or something. Mm-hmm. And so even though we knew our dates, um, we had a dating scan at six weeks and we were so relieved when we saw a little tiny heartbeat. Um, and then after, so after the scan I would feel pretty good and then around 10 days my anxiety would um take over again I'm not sure what what was with the 10 days but it would just um ramp up so we were really lucky that we got a scan to check on the baby every two weeks up until I was 12 weeks pregnant Mm. yeah yeah and how were you feeling once you got to that point like what was your first trimester like in terms of pregnancy symptoms and once you got to 12 weeks, um, did your anxiety subside at all? Or, yeah, what did that look like? Yeah. Um, so my first trimester was, like, physically fine. It was yeah. just emo- emotionally really difficult because pregnancy after loss is its own journey in itself. Yeah. It's, like, everything's just tainted by grief. You just you want to be so excited, but then your mind just jumps to the worst conclusion. Like, what yeah. if this baby dies too? Like, and I knew I could not physically survive any more loss like I was just I was just done like I knew I couldn't do it um so I met with my midwife twice a week and we had heartbeat checks to help um ease my anxiety and we chose to do all of the tests that we could so we did the nuchal scan which came back as low risk um and we did the glucose test this time as we just wanted to tick every box and do everything we possibly could Mm-hmm. I was still I still had some yucky morning sickness um it was actually so gross because I would like have to leave the class I was teaching to go on and vomit and then I'd be <laughs> like oh, I'll just be back in a minute like oh, no. and they just had no idea what, what I was doing because we didn't actually tell anybody we were pregnant until um until like, it was really obvious as we just wanted to keep it just keep it to ourselves yeah um, and so when Cooper's postmortem came back as unexplained, we were to, um, told we would be under the care of an obstetrician for any future pregnancies. So our midwife arranged for us to meet with an obstetrician at 24 weeks. And we thought that being under the obstetrician care would be really reassuring, but it didn't really reassure us. Um, I think it's hard to explain how we felt because the medical professionals would say, like, the baby's going perfectly, you're really healthy. But then so was Cooper and he still died. So nothing Mm. could really ease our minds or reassure us. And because there was no explanation of his death, I was petrified of doing anything that might cause this baby to die too. So 
I stopped exercise um, as soon as I found out I was pregnant. I would eat pretty much no foods that could possibly cause the baby any harm. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even go swimming. I was so mm. nervous. Um, like yeah. I always thought the water would be too cold and it would make the baby go on to – it was ridiculous, like what mm. the thoughts went through my mind. Mm, um, yeah. And I became obsessed with kick counting and monitoring the baby's movement. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep for more than a few hours because I would want to wake up and check that the baby was still alive. It just, the anxiety around um, this pregnancy just took over my life pretty much. Mm. So our obstetrician referred us um, to the perinatal mental health team. Yeah, and they were amazing at supporting um, me through the pregnancy. Um, and another thing at Cooper's postmortem, we were advised that would be induced at 38 weeks in any future pregnancies, um, just so that there was, like, you know, like the least risk of having another mm-hmm. stillbirth. Yeah. And we were really surprised when the obstetrician, um, did, like, they didn't want to actually do this for the pregnancy because it was going so well. Right. They, they said, look, because the baby's looking so great, you can have it at 39 or 40 weeks um, because if you have it too early, then it might have some complications or it could even die if it's born too early. Mm. And we felt really frustrated because, yes, the baby was looking fine, but I wasn't fine. Like I was mm. not coping. And the closer we came to our due date, the more my anxiety increased. Um, and in our minds, we would rather have had a living baby that might need a short stay in the hospital than a baby that was yeah. stillborn again. Mm. And so the perinatal um, team and my midwife, they were amazing. They advocated for me. And when I was 36 weeks pregnant, our, um, with their support, our obstetrician finally agreed to set an induction date for 38 weeks. Mm-hmm. We discussed an elective C-section um, and this like was a choice that was offered to us, but we um, decided that it might be quite a healing experience to have a natural birth or to try yeah. for a natural birth at least. So yeah. that's um, what we chose for. And so on Thursday, the 25th of March, we that was our induction date, and we arrived at the hospital at 7.30 in the morning. And we were monitored for an hour um, on the CTG machine, and I think maybe had bloods taken and things like that. And everything was looking great. So we were taken to a delivery suite to have the balloon catheter inserted. Mm -hmm. And so we chose um, this option or it was a good option for us because we'd already had Cooper. I think if you've already had a baby, they they quite like that option. Yeah. And so normally you can go home with the balloon catheter in, but we um, stayed because we weren't leaving the hospital unless we had our baby in our arms. Um, and it was really reassuring being at the hospital because we had constant monitoring um, just to check that everything was going fine. So we spent the next um, 24 hours just hanging out, um, playing games to pass the time. Mm-hmm. We had lots of walks up and down the stairs to try and get things happening. And I was having lots of irregular cr- contractions, but um, the next morning the balloon still hadn't fallen out. So they took it out and popped my waters. And it was such a relief to see that they were clear because obviously with Cooper, they were full of meconium. Mm. So then I started the Syntocin drip um, and that kicked in and my contractions really ramped up and I was soon having three to four contractions every 10 minutes. And so I roll on 2 p.m. and I asked to be checked as I was pretty tired from not, I hadn't slept um, much at all in the lead up to our induction just with my anxiety. Mm. Um, when they said I was only four to five centimetres dilated, I decided to get an epidural so that I could get some rest and just gather myself and get prepared for what was to come. And I found it quite restricting being um, bed, like bedridden with all the monitors and things. It was mm. quite uncomfortable. I, I would have really loved to be able to like move or hop in water or something, but obviously that wasn't an option. And so um, I was given an epidural and it was a walking one this time, which was quite nice because you can still feel the contractions, but it's just not as painful. Um, so when, with that in, I was feeling much more comfortable. Our midwife arrived and we were really hopeful that we would have our baby that night. And so 
um, 7 p.m. kind of rolled around. We were just chilling and the obstetrician came in and told us that we hadn't progressed enough and if we weren't 9 centimetres by 9 p.m., then I was going to have a caesarean because my uterus had been working too hard um, and like, obviously there was a reason that the mm. labour wasn't progressing. Yeah. And that, that really threw us because we – Honestly, we thought that we like it was going really well. I didn't realize that with the syntocin, I think it's meant to ramp things up quite quickly. Mm. Um, I was actually a little bit relieved, to be honest, that I didn't have to push the baby out if I had a cesarean because I remember, um, you can't remember like the exact pain, but I remember it was really sore with Cooper. So I was mm. like, oh, you know, it's not the worst thing. And so we waited for the next two hours and um, when they checked me at 9pm, I was still the same, only four to five centimetres. So we were um, told we'd be having the C-section and they started to prep me. It was all really casual because um, the baby was still looking really fine. So it took about two hours for them to prep me and get me into the operating theatre. And everything was going great until they put me on the table and our baby's heart rate dropped to the 50s, which is obviously not great. Um, and everyone was in a real panic. And we could tell that something was really going quite wrong because our midwife, who is normally really composed, like there was just, you know, the, the worst look on her face. Mm-hmm. And we were just t- terrified. We couldn't believe that something was going wrong again. Um And so luckily everybody was in the theatre ready to go apart from the surgeon. So they quickly called her and not long after she arrived, our little baby girl, Evelyn May, was born at 11.12pm on the 26th of March. Mm. And she came out screaming, so she she was perfectly (laughs) fine. She was checked over by the paediatric team and she was perfectly healthy apart from some minor swelling to her face. And so they told us that the reason our labour had failed to progress was because she was brow presentation. And I think it's actually really uncommon because they were really surprised. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's when the baby's neck is extended as if they're looking up rather than tucked in. And so um, we're actually really blessed that we had a C-section because babies don't come out when they're in that position. Um, so yeah, we had we had her, and it was really surreal that we actually had a living baby. And um, I think when she was placed on my chest, that was probably the first time I felt true happiness since mm. Cooper had died. Yeah. And so Grant got to um, cut her umbilical cord, and yeah, she was placed on my chest, and she let straight away um, while I was being closed up. And then they took us to the recovery room where we just had skin to skin. I think she was actually still screaming at this stage. I don't think she stopped screaming for like 30 minutes, honestly. Yeah. I don't actually, she's pretty loud still, I think. It's just her personality. Yeah. And, yeah, so we spent some time in there, and I had the most amazing ice block because I'd been nil by mouth for so long. I was so thirsty. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah, then we were taken back to our postnatal room, I think it was like one o'clock in the morning by this stage. So we tried to just get some rest and Evie was sleeping. Although we didn't get much sleep because she did her first poo soon after and Grant got to change his um, first (laughs) nappy. And it was, you know, I couldn't move because of this caesarean. And so I was trying to instruct him how to change (laughs) this hideous nappy. Like, luckily, um, we had the help from the hospital staff. They come and helped us. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And how long did you end up staying in the hospital for? So um, we we really wanted to get to the Bethlehem Birthing Centre as that yeah. was where we had wanted to go with Cooper and we obviously didn't get to. So we were doing everything we could to get um, get out of the hospital and get to the birthing centre. Not to say, like, the hospital staff, honestly, they are amazing. That's an understatement. Like, they were hmm. – Oh, they are worth their weight in gold. So they helped us the next morning. Um, they helped me, like, get up and shower and get changed and whatnot. And then we – I had to do, like, a certain amount of wee in a bucket or something. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's just the monitor telling me it's going flat. Um, that's okay. 
And so like we finally, I finally managed to do that in the afternoon and then we were like, yes, we're out of here. Like we're going. And they were like, oh no, you actually need to do a fart as well. And I was like, <laughs> oh, honestly, like the one time you've got to do a fart. So luckily <laughs> yeah. I managed um, to, to do that. And so we left the hospital about 5 p.m. and headed to the birthing center. Yeah. And so we stayed um, at the birthing center for two nights and it was amazing. The facilities are so beautiful and we we will be so like forever grateful for the way that they helped us um, start our lives as a family of four. Yeah. I thought that I'd be used to having um, like I was living off no sleep before Evie came, but those first few days, fuel they're pretty hard with the newborn. (laughs) She was pretty unsettled too. So it was great. Like when the midwife came and, took her for a few hours so we could get some sleep it was yeah they're amazing yeah awesome cool and how did you feel when you left the birth center and going home and yeah talk me through what that was like for you guys it's pretty crazy that they just like yeah you can go home now like we were like (laughs) we oh honestly like we'd wanted a baby like we've been prepared for a baby for so long but nothing it just felt really unreal like are you sure you don't want to like check that we are okay like yeah it'd be so great if they came with a handbook so you could just like (laughs) flick to whatever page um yeah so driving home was really crazy we were just kind of like what do we do when we get home (laughs) yeah um but yeah it was great my the pain from my c-section actually the next day was really terrible and I don't know somehow the medication that I was given wasn't right or I hadn't mm. been taking it re- like regularly or and so I was really uncomfortable and I remember just crying because I had like Evie to feed and we were just sleep deprived and I was in so much pain um but our midwife came and my sister came and they soon sorted it all out and so yeah it was great after after that was all sorted um and so I was breastfeeding Evie and she had a great latch until one night when I must have fallen asleep and she um, did some nipple damage Mm -hmm. she must have slipped off or something and the nipple damage just got worse and worse and oh I remember just crying and curling my toes every Mm -hmm. time I had to feed her it was I actually don't know if there's a pain is bad as nipple damage <laughs> yeah yeah and nobody prepares you I don't think for <laughs> how sore it's gonna be yeah so we um we got a lactation consultant we went and saw a lactation consultant and they sorted us all out and yeah then we were kind of on our way hmm. yeah and how did you find the adjustment over the next little while in terms of your mental health, like once she was here, did you find that your anxiety was just subsided and gone and you felt really good or yeah, I guess what did that period look like for you? So I felt actually really guilty because I didn't want to complain about like being tired or sore Mm -hmm. or like ask for help because I knew how lucky we were and we were just so thankful that we got to experience um, having Evie but all those few first weeks, they were just really quite tricky adjusting. Um, <laughs> and my anxiety was actually still really bad um, when we brought her home. It didn't really subside. Um, mm. But we, so we brought an outlet sock, which oh, yeah. monitors um, like the baby's heart rate and their breathing. And then it sounds an alarm if there's anything that's not right. So we used that for maybe the first couple of months and that um, definitely helped reduce my anxiety just because I was so worried that something was still going to happen to her. It was almost mm-hmm. like it was too good to be true. Um, yeah, so after a few, like after a few weeks or months, it's definitely subsided now. Like she, I don't have the same dreadful feeling and thoughts that anything's going to happen to her. Yeah. Um, and we had lots of visitors come and meet Evie, and she was so spoiled. Actually, we were really spoiled too. They, I don't think we cooked a meal for the first month of her life. Mm-hmm. Like we've just been so privileged to be surrounded by such supportive people. Yeah, awesome. 
That's beautiful. And is there anything else that you'd like to share in regards to either of your stories or, yeah, anything else that you feel like we haven't covered? We've walked the darkest of days um, following Cooper's death, but Evie has brought us so much hope and joy um, back into our lives. And she'll never and could never replace her big brother, but she's given us so much hope and we're so blessed Mm. to have her. And I hope that um, anybody listening who has experienced or maybe experiencing something similar um, might just get from our stories that there is hope. um, Even after, you know, the toughest times, Mm. good things, good things can happen. So, yeah. Yeah, and we feel so thankful that we've encountered so many amazing health professionals who have helped us um, on our journey to yeah, have our two beautiful children. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much, Hayley, for coming on the podcast and sharing your stories with us. I just think you are an absolutely incredible mum and I'm yeah really, really grateful that you were willing to come on the podcast and share your experiences with us. So thank you. Thank you. I feel very privileged that um, we get to share Cooper and Evie's stories. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you are able to take something away from Hayley's story. And yeah, again, super grateful that Hayley was willing to come on and talk about her experiences with Cooper and Evie. I look forward to bringing you another podcast episode next week. Hope you have a beautiful rest of the week and I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.